Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Gabe. And we're the, the Ghouls Next, Next Door. Talking about that spooky stuff. Because it's the most spookiest time of the year. Yep. We're great at this, as you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is October. It's spooky time. October. Normal. Okay. <laughs> and we're uh, talking about great horror writers. Mm-hmm. So last year we talked about Mary Shelley and H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. And today we're talking about Shirley Jackson. Yes. So in this episode of Books vs. Movies. <laughs> I don't know if it's so much that. I don't know. That's what I said to you in Facebook. So. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. I've decided with a preview man voice. Nice. Yeah. Welcome to the show, listener. We're going to be talking about Shirley Jackson. If you're unfamiliar with Shirley, she is the writer of The Lottery, which is a short story that like every high schooler has read more than likely. And also Haunting of Hill House, which I'm sure you watched the cool Netflix series because people really loved it. And honestly, a whole lot more. She's done a lot, actually. Yeah, she's pretty impressive. And I mean, you should, it's one of those things where, as a woman wouldn't in the nineteen early 1900s, did not get credit for the stuff that she did, like, in her own time. It was long after, you know, that she died that people were finally like, oh, she's doing a little bit more than witchcraft and housewifing. What? This isn't a negative against her. If anything, it just makes her really fun. Yeah, she can do housewifing. She can do witchcrafting. She can do writing. She can do uh, whatever she children wants. <laughs> yes, whatever she wants. Freedom. But um, in a time where like you couldn't actually do whatever you wanted if you were a lady. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here I think this episode is going to be fun. I kind of feel. Um, like, when we did Mary Shelley, I got super crazy and went uh, fangirling about it because I just really learned to love her. And mm-hmm. I think I'm learning to love Mary Sh- uh, to, uh, Shirley Jackson as well. <laughs> Different people, <laughs> yes. Gabe. Uh, Shirley, for both goth her own babes. reasons. Yes, both goth babes. For sure. But different goth babes. One's a witch babe. The other's a goth babe. Yeah. Yeah. Which is appropriate for this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're, so stay tuned for listening to this, but also if you're, you know, around, give us a comment and like, tell us what you're, you're doing for Halloween. As it is the time of year for the ghouls that is comparative to any gift giving holiday, give the gift this season, the spookiest season of all to the ghouls next door and like, or subscribe or write nice words to our eyes (laughs) on the things that do that, like iTunes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a that could be the gift to the ghouls because this is our second anniversary, second year anniversary. So yeah. there's so many reasons to give us the gift of subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to be talking about Shirley Jackson. So let's tell you about Shirley, you know, like Stephen King, I related very much to Shirley, Shirley Jackson. I call her Shirley because I think we would be friends. Yeah. I feel like I would have been friends with her 
based on the characters that she described in her writing and how I was in elementary, middle, and high school. And now. So like, yeah, and now. <laughs> so it's like, we probably would have been, been cool. You know, I don't like to be in the norm, and neither did she. So here we are. Um, but she, like every haunted lady would be, she's lived. Mm-hmm. In her own, like, very, you know, individual way, but, like, definitely did not have a nice time throughout life, as I would imagine anyone from the 19, like, 15s would. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like a bad time. Um, and history represents it as such. So, what you can get out of this entire thing is that Shirley's mom is the worst. Geraldine <laughs> yes. is vapid. Yep. Constantly berating Shirley, just being real rude. Talks to her, tells her that she's like a failed abortion. Yeah. Told her that her hair was awful, that she was fat, and lacked mm-hmm. any feminine charm. You know, and would send those messages to her in like letters. <laughs> so in case like she just escaped and was like finally happy for a minute, her mom just felt like the strong need to remind her how much she does mean to her through mail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Loving. Yeah, Mother's so it wasn't Day like cute notes. Her. It wasn't like love notes. It was like, oh, you're the worst. Why did I give birth to you? And it was like, really, really mean. So uh, one note example that's from where I got all my information, which is Ruth Franklin's Rather Haunted Life, which is a, a biography about Shirley Jackson. Um, I have been so sad all morning about what you have allowed yourself to look like. Imagine your mom. Yeah. Sends you through the mail. Yeah. Or just like leaves it out like it's gonna... A morning affirmation. Yeah. And is just like, ugh, you. I'm so sad about how you look. And it's just there. like, yo, you <laughs> made me. That is a reflection on you, ma'am. Yeah, I'm also just, like, a human. But yeah, moms are really I'm good at that, though. At, like, people. or at least my mom's really good at that, at being, like, sneakily, like, scolding. Oh, <laughs> you're, yeah, like, like those backhanded wow, ones. Wow, ouch. <laughs> you, yeah. really, you really got me there. Yeah, yeah, and it's also, like, it's different when you, like, look different than your parent. Like, yeah. I, I know for myself, like, my mom never wrote as anything comments to me. Yeah. But was, like, everyone in my family was, like, stick skinny. Yeah. And I was thick. Yeah. And now everyone was like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you healthy? And I'm like, yes. I just, this is my body. This is just how and I I'm look. here now. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was like kind of similar vibes, but she was real mean about it. My mom like actively tried to not be mean about it. <laughs> and her mom was just like, you're fat. Let me, let me tell you about it every Tuesday. My mom was really a little more like constructive of that. Like, she was just like, oh, I'm going to send you some money for my starving artist, except she's not working on any art. Because, like, for <laughs> I was, like, not writing my book or whatever. And she was like, but she's not doing art, but she's my starving artist. I was like, oh, my God. Ow. <laughs> Thanks. I need some ramen. <laughs> I'll use Mom, this money though, to buy ramen. Right? We're recording on uh, Daughter's Day. So it's perfect. Oh, hey, look at that. But, yeah. So... Their relationship was clearly represented in her work in that she wrote a lot about moms or the lack of moms or about moms being killed by their daughters, either on purpose or by, like, subconsciously. 
um, through the lack of action. But in her work, you'll see that like a lot of her stories are centered around houses, around relationships, lack thereof with her mom. And like, just like that conflict of like self-worth and like feeling like you have any kind of voice in a time that kind of made women actively voiceless. Mm-hmm. Um, like women like maybe just kind of had the right to vote recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that was new. So um, the root of what the conflict with the mom started from the idea that like she was like a woman of money who expected her daughter to live to this like conventionalness. Like the idea of having a daughter who was not like conventional and like matching the ideal that she had placed on having a daughter is what really caused this conflict. So she wanted her to be this like skinny little cute little baby Running around with, like, straight hair, not curly hair, not red hair by any means. Yeah. Like, blonde or brown, I don't know, pick one. And she did not understand the fact that uh, Shirley was, like, a thicker little kid. Mm-hmm. And had red hair. So, Genetics, from the man. start, she was like, oh, I've been cursed. I've been oh cursed with gosh. this baby. Um, and then, like, she never really wanted to, like, Shirley never really wanted to conform to her mom. So, like, there's, like, notes. Another fun note. One of her really loving letters. Yes. She wrote, um, you were a willful child who insisted on her her own way in everything, good or bad. So, like, essentially, no matter how much her mom wanted her to conform, she kind of refused. Mm-hmm. She was like, I, this is who I am. And I cannot change the entirety of myself to fit what you idealized as a child. Because I'm not a doll. I'm not a lifeless doll. I am a human person who you brought into this world. No one asked to be alive. Man, you did this. (laughs) You brought this baby here. You got to be nice, at least. Like, it's rude. So your mom sucks. (laughs) Yes. Um, But so as she went on. A funny thing about this is that she was sent to college by her family, um, and her family was not nice. So she was like, cool, I'm getting away. But her family, it seems like from that time period, I would guess that they were sending her to get her MRS degree and not like Mm -hmm. an actual degree. Yeah. And uh, Shirley actually ended up finding her husband in college. Yeah. So I guess that they were successful. Um, I'm sure she went for other reasons. She was, like, heavily intellectual. She was super Mm -hmm. smart. Like, most of the positive aspects of her relationship with her husband centered around the fact that they were both, like, they could have good conversations. They were interested in each other's minds more so than just their bodies. And what you kind of see as their marriage progresses is, one, like, you know, they do have a lot of kids, but they ended up, the husband ends up, like, cheating on her a lot and, like, when she starts to really take off as an author, so, like, he works for the the New Yorker, or, yes, New Yorker, I'm pretty yeah, sure, and maybe so. not the New York Times, one of them. Yeah. Works for there, and a lot of her stories start to get published in the publication, mm-hmm. and are, like, widely very liked, you know, or have, like, not if not liked, have reactions. So, like, people are getting paying attention to her work and they kind of have this emotional latching to her work. And then like, she just goes on to become more and more popular, even if it's like, you know, no press, all press is good press kind of deal. Um, And she kind of surpasses him as a writer. And he's also like 
a big influencer on her work and like a good writer from what I've read about him. Um, but like really takes this toxic masculinity to play and yeah. like basically becomes rude to her, cheats on her, like feels, I guess, from my understanding, emasculated by her and her success. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all this time, it's like she's just trying to like find her own concept of self worth. Yeah. In a life that has made her feel like she has none. Yeah. So you really see that in a lot of her work, um, especially I would say in uh, the we've always lived in the castle. Yeah. Um, the character is very agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. She does not want to go to town late in Shirley's life. She becomes agoraphobic just through like the isolation of being a woman during this time. And especially if you were a woman who was unmarried. Yeah. She really tells that story of like. What is it like to not have any claim over anything? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it like to feel like a burden to your family? Yeah. Because you cannot find a man. And that your identity is completely centered around your, like, your value is decided up through whether or not you can find a husband. You have no other value other than that. Yeah. You need to make babies. Post-World War One. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. All they were like is like, Bear the future children. We've send all the other ones to die. Like <laughs> that is what post-war anything is. It's always like women become mothers. Yeah. That is your greatest gift to your country. Hitler oh, did that good. shit. Yep. Stuff. Hitler did that stuff. Like that was his whole thing where he was like anti Weimar Republic. He was like, women, you know, you can do this. Go be moms. So that was the time she lived in. And it's like her entire value was decided by society. Yeah. Through this. So she became very agoraphobic, not trusting of the town. Her family was from money. And, and you can see, like, in her upbringing, it was resented by the people around her. Like, she did not suffer through the Great Depression. Yeah. And people, like, resented that about her family. Like, her father very was very like well the, off. We have always um, lived in the castle. It's so much like we always lived <laughs> in the castle. I was like, is this just about you? Did you just <laughs> fantasize about <laughs> poisoning your family? And like she was a, she designated herself as a witch. So she did practice, you know, witchcraft in her own right. Similar to the character of we've always lived in the castle. And I think you also see it a lot in Haunting of Hill House. I didn't read the other ones, Mm -hmm. but those are the two that I have the most knowledge of. So I saw so much of her life just like, yeah, sprinkled. Yeah. Into her work. And, you know. The saddest part about her life is that because of all of this, she took a, she took drugs, yeah. tranquilizers to ease her anxiety, and amphetamines to make her able to manage all of this stuff, and that led to her very early death, and her husband's early death too, because they were both like not taking care of themselves. Yeah, so, forty eight yeah. was when she died, mm-hmm. and he was fifty one. Yeah, and well, with her witchcraft, I think it's funny because uh, Ruth Franklin had this interview and she was talking about uh, Shirley Jackson and that there was this rumor that um, like she had like not this competitor, but someone wrote like a bad review of one of her books. And then mm-hmm. he later suffered like in a ski accident or something. Mm-hmm. And people like really believed that she did it. And so she would make jokes that like, oh, better not like, you know, go out. Of, like if you go out of town, I can't reach you over there. <laughs> or like, when, you know, um, essentially just kind of uh, really buy into and play with those ideas. And I totally get why women of that time were like witchcraft, man. <laughs> because like that was the whole thing like Salem yeah 
Women feeling oppressed and wanting to go dance naked in the woods. Yeah, who doesn't want to go dance Let naked them in dance. the woods? Let them dance. All right. Just let them dance. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think her lens really, you know, helped fulfill the, the writing that she did, right? It, it became her tool and the power in which she, like, well, like, wielded in order to create this content. Mm-hmm. And it also, like, affected other, like, women as well, who at the time yeah. were reading her work, who were also, like, housewives, who went to college to find a husband and are living confined in their home and just taking care of the kids and have hobbies and interests. And they're like, how do you do it all? Kind of thing. Like... Yeah. Um, Ruth Franklin, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, Ruth Franklin had, uh, she called these notes that these women would send her, um, she called them, I don't know how she does it notes. Cause like people were just like, how, how are you doing this? Um, the, the, the answer is lots of tranquilizers. And amphetamines. amphetamines. The tranquilizers got rid of the anxiety. The amphetamines amped her up. Yeah. So both of those, a nice little... Cocktail. Both of those are bad. But then also I feel like it's like relating to that feeling of just like isolation and like what it was to be a woman during that time. Yeah. I And it's she. Yeah. I think what she wanted to tell those women, what she often told them, you know, because they would be like, how do you do your housework and take care of your kids and your husband and write so much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was always just telling people, well, do less housework and write more. Like it was essentially like, stop being the perfect wife, mom thing that you want to do sometimes and allow yourself to be a little selfish and take care of like your creative side as well and really flourish in that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you can, um, do that if you just like, you know, put aside what society is asking you to do, which, um, she was also, you know, doing, um, but I think like. So she's well known for a lot of things. So first, um, people are people are really familiar with her work, The Lottery, uh-huh. which tells a tale of us of a town um, where they kind of do a lottery type system, and whichever spoilers for the short story that's very old, um, whichever uh, family draws the lottery, I think it was like a colored paper or something, uh-huh. uh, had to be killed. To, like, help the rest of the town because it was, like, witchcrafty and, like, population yeah. and all and, this other uh, stuff. Hunger Games was yeah. inspired, yes. I guess, by it, right? <laughs> yeah, so it influenced many um, uh, dystopian novels. So, like, Hunger Games, um, which is kind of, like, that whole idea of, like, you know, I submit as tribute or whatever she said. <laughs> I volunteer. Volunteer as tribute. I, I read the Hunger Vol- Games series like 27 times. And it was like, because it was short enough that my brain could do it. Yeah. And it was like teen drama and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I read them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last one made me really sad. Uh, yeah. Because I have a sister. So it hit, it hurt me. Oh yeah. That was real. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she... She kind of wrote, like you said before, like she was kind of writing what she knows, right? So with the lottery, she is honestly making fun of the town that she lived in at the time where there were these people. So she's used to like California. She's used to wealth and she's used to kind of this entire different lifestyle. And then she goes and just becomes this lowly housewife. And this town does not accept her for who she is and is not her friend. (laughs) Well, yeah, she went from Cali to New York, which was very... 
jarring. Yeah. Like, to go all the way. Imagine being 60 years old and going entirely across the country. Yeah. To a place you have no familiarity with. And then just seems completely foreign to you. Yeah. Because you're not from there. Yeah. I went from Florida to Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Same coast. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. But it was, you know, sunny beaches and gritty town <laughs> gritty city yeah. you know or the actual gritty city gritty. Uh, but yeah and then she also lived in vermont where she had like these like people who were like backwards and expected oh, yeah. small town small yeah so she definitely writes what she knows right um another thing that's really important in what she knows is that she writes a lot of um female protagonists which is like even with mary shelley who came from like a feminist woman right mary yeah. wollstonecraft she still wrote Frankenstein, right? Like she wrote about men because that's yeah. what you catered to, right? But Shirley didn't hold back. She was like, my protagonists are women. They're going to suffer from things that women are suffering from. They're incredibly like loosely veiled attempts at like explaining what we're going through, which kind of made it hard for her to um, be as popular at the time because like specifically men were running that industry. So they were like, what is this? A woman's crying. She's hysterical. Lock her up. We don't need this. Yeah. And a lot of women had to write under like pseudonym. Where is it? The other word yeah. where it's like, you couldn't be a pen woman names. to publish. You had to have like pen names. Yeah. And she successful. was just Shirley Jackson. She didn't even try. Um, and to, like, she cover herself up. It's like her mom. She was just out there. She was just like, I am me. Yeah. Except. Yeah. And so, and that idea, right? So um, there's a lot of ways that you see this and not just um, the world around her, but also her own life is specifically um, with uh, Haunting of Hill House. We have our protagonist, yeah. Eleanor, who I can imagine she relates to really well. But there's this scene in the beginning that's not shown in the movies or anywhere. Um in the book where she stops at this like restaurant and she sees this family who are eating and their daughter is like essentially not throwing a fit, but she's like, I won't drink. I want my cup of stars. Cause she has this like drinking cup that when you drink, you could see the stars in it. Yeah. And so she refuses to drink whatever beverage there is at this restaurant because she wants her cup of stars. And so Eleanor has this whole internal dialogue where she's like, like rooting for this girl where she's yeah. just like, don't, like give in to their don't switch over demand your cup of stars keep demanding your cup of stars like don't let them tell you no and like the dad's like you're being ridiculous and then the mom like essentially is just like let her be she wants her cup of stars and like uh, is a good mom <laughs> it's like the one time we get to see a good mom and she feels like she has this like connection to this little girl like eleanor does and i feel like it really encompassed like what the story was for everything that she wrote right it yeah. was like let's not lose our cup of stars like what is your cup of stars and don't ever give that up for something else yeah and it's like kind of profound that whole the good mom is the mom that accepts and lets <laughs> her just be herself and have her mother flipping cup of stars <laughs> yeah i would say the um so the haunting of hill house reminded me of the yellow wallpaper which is okay. by the feminist writer charlotte perkins gilman um who's written a lot of things uh she also wrote, wrote herland i believe she does really great feminist work but there's this this story called yellow wallpaper where a woman is um essentially like confined what i to 
because of what I perceived when I read it at the time as being like postpartum. Uh-huh. And in the confi- during the conf- like she's totally fine. Like she has postpartum, yeah. yes, but she's not broken. She's not hysterical in whatever terms they want to lay on her. But over the time of being confined and like being told that something's wrong with her, she starts to lose her mind in grasp yeah. of reality. And that's what I see like the haunting of Hill House being is that we have this woman who's lived her whole life catering to her mother. She finally got a little ounce of freedom and then is like confined to this small space where she's like being berated. She's confronting like her own sexuality because there's a lot like a very heavy lesbian tropes in this like yeah. in that story like the the film uh the haunting of hill or the haunting films uh not haunting of hill house on netflix um don't really give her enough credit for the lesbianism that's in there um and you really don't get like some of the tension and things that are happening Uh and the very loose you know references to it like the fact that uh theodora has a a friend back home who is her roommate right we Uh also have this house where the previous owners the daughter of the guy who built it um had a companion the oldest daughter had a companion and that they were ridiculed into the point where the companion killed herself. Like oh, it's just very heavy handed. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what we're dealing with. Right. So she definitely talks about all this isolation um, and like essentially trying to like hold on to what is true to you. Yeah. Even though like the rest of the world is telling you to like shape up and do what they want you to do. Yeah. Um, and even outside of, of Hill House, um, her books often revolve around women who essentially are just longing to escape from their like mundane and borderline abusive homes in some way yeah. or another. <laughs> just like, it's literally an escape and she's having to act out these escapes in different ways. Um, so she has one called like hang as man, which is a young girl who yearns to live her own life. Um, and she imagines this will be possible when she goes off to college um, and gets away from like her domineering father in uh-huh. that case. Um, but then she ends up kind of losing her grip on reality and exhibiting signs that could be um, interpreted as like schizophrenia. Okay. So like, great. <laughs> like we get out and now we're some other form of mental illness. Cause that's how it is, um, shown whenever they get freedom. Um, mm. there's bird's nest where there's the protagonist, Elizabeth, who is letting life pass her by while her neurotic aunt kind of like is controlling her life. Mm. Always someone controlling you. So then she ends up getting like kind of sick and she goes to the doctor a bunch of times and they find out that she has four personalities. Um, It was written during the time when like multiple personalities, which is now called this is just. What is it called? Disassociative identity disorder. Yes. It is, yes. I was like, DID, what am I saying wrong? Yeah. Uh, So uh, at the time, it was multiple personality disorder, and it was super, like, popular to think about and write about. So she wrote about that. Um, And uh, then she also, we also have, we have always lived in the castle, right? So we have two sisters who are isolated from the rest of town. It's definitely about classism. Uh, They are the wealthiest family and have control of the town as well. So that's another part of why they're alienated um, is Mm -hmm. that they're not on equal footing in that way either. And they also lack common knowledge on how to like operate in normal society, which she also feels like she did, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just, all of her stuff's just about her life. Like, I, I just can't not be. Like, when reading about it, it's like the agoraphobia is so real. The mother dynamic, the 
controlling father or man figure dynamic. Yeah. It's just all up in there. <laughs> Wanting to have, like, a female, like, counterpart to, like, make them feel, like, the sister. Yeah. She didn't have a sister. She had a brother. And all the women, like, in her immediate circle, other than, like, her friends that she made, were, like, very awful to her. Yeah. So I feel like it's, like, that craving of having a positive feminine in- influence on her life. Yeah. Or just female influence on her life that wasn't, like, really cruel and, like, mean to her all the time. Yeah, and to also have, like, strength in who you are, in your personality, in your sexuality, and your just, just like, your dreams. Yeah, there's um, a quote in The New Yorker under um, an article called The Haunted Mind of Shirley Jackson, and it goes like this. The motif of a lonely woman setting out to escape a miserable family or a grimly claustrophobic community and ending up lost recurs throughout Jackson's stories. Sometimes a woman comes to a place of apparent refuge, a house that seems to offer security and love, only to discover, once she is there, creeping menace or hidden evil. Um, a woman encounters a romantic uh, chimerical figure, a demon lover, who promises to rescue her and then vanishes, leaving her alone and on the brink of madness in a frightening alien landscape. Always, the hope of an alternative, happier life proves illusory. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's always like... This person is escaping one awful situation and ends up in another one, which is exactly what happened in her life. She left her mom. She was swept off her feet by this guy who who w- fell in love with her from her writing, saw read her writing in the paper, said the rest of it was trash, saw that writing and was like, I'm going to marry this woman. So sweeps her off her feet. She's like, oh, my God, someone who loves me for who I am, my writing, who I am, yeah. only to be then trapped again. Yeah, poor lady. by society yeah. and just what it's expected of her. And by the house, like the fact that women are just put in these houses and that that's like all they are. And it's no wonder that like it's both the place where they're trapped, but also yeah. it's like the place where the worst stuff happens. Yeah. And there's nowhere else to go because that's like what society has decided your entire life will be. Yeah. You don't need to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> Just be inside, yeah, just be all inside the time. always and cater to us. Yeah, to a housewife, a haunted house, a house is haunted, right? Like every, the house is the scariest thing to you because it's where you're trapped. You can't ever get out. Like I Yeah. I couldn't have lived back then. <laughs> I would I would not have made it past like I don't know, 17. you like being inside the house. No, but it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice yeah. right now. Um I would not have made it past 17. Yeah, no, I would have been in trouble. I would have been known for witchcraft. Yeah. So I just, we just talked about her books. Yeah. But we, luckily there has been media for what she's done. Movie times. Yeah. And that's show what, times. luckily is for all the things that we're going to talk about this month, there's like a film, a version of something, which is great. Yeah. It's great for my mind that has a very <laughs> hard time with books. Yeah. I also find it really fun to kind of compare with mm-hmm. the books to the movies. Um, books first. Movies. <laughs> yes. Let's see who comes out as champion. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, so we watched several things. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on each one of these 
parts. Um, so first I wanted to start with The Haunting, um, parentheses of Hill House, from 1963, directed by Robert Weiss, right? So this is about a scientist doing research on the paranormal invites two women to a haunted mansion. One of the participants soon starts losing her mind. I do like how this description says two women and doesn't it, like just also add the fact that Luke who is like going to inherit know, the yeah. house is also there because um, he, he it's not like he lives there mm-hmm. <laughs> he's also a part of the experiment yeah um, what I want to say just right off the bat is you guys have heard like what last week I talked a little bit about it and I've talked about it before a million times is Stephen King's Rose Red is very phenomenal and a part of my love of horror mm-hmm. and it is incredibly influenced by this story (laughs) like obnoxiously so and Stephen King has like said that he's influenced by her that he finds her to be really terrifying um Joyce Carol Oates who's one of my favorite um writers also loves her most uh, Neil Gaiman yeah many people she's very like popular in the like writer sphere from my understanding like Stephen King said really nice things yeah Neil Gaiman Gaiman yeah Gaiman sorry or Gaiman sorry it's one of (laughs) Neil Said lots of nice stuff about Shirley as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, and Joyce Carol Oates, she's uh, awesome. I love her. But it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things in here that are just literally taken from it. So for one thing is that people really, um, what they people find the most impactful is the mm-hmm. first, like, paragraph of the story, um, which ex- essentially describes the house. And it describes yeah. the house as if it is a being, right? Like, as if it the house itself is evil, it will always be evil, and it will be here forever. Like, yeah. for a year, if it's been evil for all these years, it's going to be evil for more years. And then it also says, whoever walked here walked alone, I believe is the quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's like the whole opening sequence of Rose Red is literally like a house can be born bad. It's like this voiceover that just like it, it just is evil inside. The ground is evil and not in any way that's like because of Native Americans, which is wonderful. It was just like yeah. houses be bad sometimes. You know? Houses be like that. So houses be like that. People don't think it. Um, so what I think I think that so this one from 1963 is very, very close to the written work. Mm-hmm. Like there are some words and like sentences, most sentences in here are almost verbatim. Yeah. Um, the situations are almost verbatim. They did um, take out a lot of the lesbian undertones, um, like the relationship well, between Theodora. 1963, they oh, weren't absolutely. allowed. It was all coded. <laughs> yeah. But in and, and I think it's like, yeah, they have little parts in it. But they, you know, drummed, they made the doctor younger so that she would have an attraction to him instead of Luke, which was weird. Um, and, yeah, they just didn't, like, they took away some of the the, the wit that Theodora mm. had in the book. So yeah. all the funny things, usually it was Theodora saying it because she yeah. was just spunky. And she was, a, she was a real woman. She was classy. She wore nice clothes. And she had a friend back home. And she wore pants. She wore pants. Yes, that was a big part for me. Um, And uh, they made Luke say a lot of the funny things in the film. Well, that's... That makes sense for the time. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, men! (laughs) Yeah, we're funny. We say the funny things and the women cry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, apparently I wrote down what the the, um, quote was from the beginning. But, um, yeah, it was... I can see how it was really scary for that time. 
Yeah, and uh, so some fun facts about the book slash movie. Um, it was based on the great great grand or great grandfather's. He was an architect, like he showed a family of architects, hmm. and he had apparently made a house in California that was just like abandoned and just like was evil, like mm. in her mind, like it was just like it looked like it was an evil house, and she said that. I don't know if it was true or not, but she said that, like it had been based on that and that she thought that like it had uh, lit on fire, even though it was abandoned. Mm. So she was like, the townspeople hated it. Yeah. And burned it down. It's kind of like we have always lived in Castle. Yeah, yeah. It's also like that. But she said that the the house itself was based on. Yeah. That, that place. One. I think it's funny that her, her great, great, whatever was a architect because a part of her this... entire family up until her father were oh. architects. Which is such a hard job to do. Um, what I think is interesting is in the book, um, there is a discussion of the architecture and how it's made a little off. Mm-hmm. Like everything is just off kilter just slightly so that you feel disoriented. So there's like this mm. whole discussion of like when you leave Hill House, it's kind of like you have to regain your like land legs because mm. you're like your brain is kind of disoriented, which then fuels like the... the um, discomfort and then you're kind of paranoia and then you're scared so there's like psychological reasons because uh eleanor is definitely an unreliable narrator both in the movie and in the book like you know something's going on like she's already very sensitive um she's experienced paranormal activity before um and she's just like really really wanting to be accepted and so she kind of like and she's very easy to like snap and she's paranoid and she doesn't trust anyone she doesn't know what things are um and so you see that And so it's hard to really trust everything she says. But there's some, like, psychological and, like, scientific things behind it because you have the Mm -hmm. doctor there. Um, It's literally, I tell you what, (laughs) Rose Red is literally just a reimagining of this because in Rose Red, the house is always being built. And the fact that there's kooky, like, architecture Mm -hmm. is, like, a staple of that story. Um, there's also like the guy who's inheriting it goes in there. It's a doctor who invites a bunch of like people who have psychic abilities into the house to investigate it. There's the whole story where she's like rocks fell on someone's house. That happens in Rose Red. I don't like, it's literally the same story. (laughs) No one's talking about this. Steven. (laughs) Um, tell us. Yes. Uh, you could tell he's very, very impacted by her. Um, but then there's the haunting of Hill House. Yes. By, directed by Mike Flanagan. He's back again. Flanagan. Flanagan. We've already Flanagan. talked about him. <laughs> right? <laughs> Weird. Yo. All right. So flashing between past and present, a fractured family confronts haunting memories of their old home and the tearing event, terrifying events that drove them from it. Yeah. So uh, it is similar to the to the book. In that the characters are named the same. There's a house. Yeah. Um, there's mental illness exhibited, right? Like, we have the same thing where we have um, a group of people who, or, or women generally, who are suffering from some type of ailment and no one is taking them seriously. And they don't really have freedom to f- be who they are really Mm -hmm. in in many different ways right um so like you have the mom who very clearly has depression and people just don't understand it so there's this misconstrued like idea of it where they just label it as like evil like the house did this to her but she clearly has had headaches before this house 
Yeah. They were just, like, worse at the house. I think that was, like, But she also was, like, manic episodes as well. Mm -hmm. So it's very, like, she definitely had some type of mental illness when she got in here. um, And it's only exasperated by the fact that she's, like, trapped in this home. Dealing with her kids. You have Nell, who sees things, um, Mm -hmm. who's very clearly based off of Eleanor from Haunting. Just very misunderstood, always kind of being, like, told that she's being dramatic or Mm -hmm. that, like, oh, look at Nell, be Nell again. Yeah. And then it's, like, the whole thing throughout. And then Luke is also very misunderstood, but they were twins, so, like, there's this connection between them. It was a great show. There should have been bigger trigger warnings. Yep. That show messed me up, especially, like, that hanging scene was unnecessarily graphic. Yeah. Like, I get you. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. But, like, I get you had to show what you had to show. Yeah. But you did not have to do it in that way. Like, that messed me up for, like, a full 24 hours. Yeah, well, we didn't but watch it for a few weeks. I think even months. I had, like, pro- we stopped. Like, I didn't, like, it's not like I thought the show was bad. It was just, like, I could not watch it after yeah. that episode. There's yeah. a lot of really... It's very interesting because it deals with grief really mm-hmm. well, or not well, but in an interesting way. The whole um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. I think it's very well done. Um, I enjoyed it, and I can see how it was like loosely imagined. Yes, from the book. Yeah, like there's the cup of stars, and there's oh yeah Abigail, yeah. who is like the statue, and also like the haunting story of yeah. the house. She's the little girl. Yes. Um, and then you have like the two people who come and take care of the house, but yeah. don't ever stay at night. Yep. And then the red room. So in the books, is the they're in um yes, they're in the different colored rooms, and the red room was the room that was the most haunted. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. I totally forgot about the cup of stars from the show. <laughs> that's I, that's crazy. Um, but it is what I think is interesting is that it does do an interesting job of comparing, um, like, uh, having this misunderstanding of grief. And of all types of, of illness and just, like, people being people, right? So, like, not even just, like, depression um, and even lesbianism in that what Theodora is actually a lesbian in this. Like, she's allowed mm-hmm. to be who she is. Um, it's played by his wife, playing mm-hmm. a lesbian. <laughs> he likes to put her in roles. Um, and uh, and uh, also drug addiction mm-hmm. with Luke. There's a misunderstanding of how that works. Um, and there's, like, a... Yeah, there's some toxic relationships in there. Um, but there's also some really jarring um, scenes and scenarios that are very affecting mm-hmm. and can destroy your happiness for a very long time. Even outside of, like, the scene that triggered Cat, there's um, a husband's death that is really traumatizing um, throughout that. And it's just, like, it is very stressful. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that's why it did so well. Yeah. It was what it was like through that like time of dramatic Netflix things where everyone was like, Whoa, Netflix. Yeah. It was like when strangers you know, it was like during the hype of when like all those things were coming out on Netflix that were like big like wow mm-hmm. things. And then yeah. like have now <laughs> subsided some and that not everything that comes out on Netflix is good, we've learned. Yeah. But it was definitely <laughs> during that time where like they were just having a real good run. Yeah. Of, like, putting really strong content out. Like, good, bad, whatever. It was strong. It was strong content. It was saying something. It was in your face. You were experiencing emotion. Really about playing on emotion as people. I will say I really like this trend that we're taking, like, old 
well, not old, but we're taking books and making them into shows or, or yeah. scenes. So like uh, Alias Grace came out around the same time as The Haunting. Um, and it's just like super cool. And so we watched We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Yeah. Which um, is new. Yeah. I did not realize it was so new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I tried to to read this one but the the it threw me off uh the way that things are being told um because like it's narrated in this in this piece as well so you can kind of get an idea that was 2018 yeah. <laughs> um but it is about mary cat Constance and their uncle Julian live in isolation after experiencing a family tragedy six years earlier. When cousin Charles arrives to steal the family fortune, he also threatens a dark secret they've been hiding. And yeah. it this this film um, did what um, I would say uh, the opposite of what happened when I was like, oh, I don't like The Shining film, so I'll never read the book. But then I was like, oh, it's different, so now I want to read the book. Well, the opposite happened, whereas, like, watching this, I was like, I want to read the book now. Like, I actually want to finish it because there's so much more. It was so confusing in the beginning because there's, yeah. like, a her narration is weird. I couldn't quite, like, I didn't see or know what was happening. Mm -hmm. And you really have to start figuring things out quick. Yeah. To know what you're doing in that story, um, which is why the 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 film was pretty cool in that, yeah. like, you see the town, you and see that she's... it's narrated by yeah. Mary Like, she's audibly saying stuff. Like, you read her thoughts. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, telling you the story. And uh, there's so many layers to this in the way that, like, Shirley does. So you have, like classism you have kids who are like ill-equipped to deal with the world and they've been you know isolated from the rest of the town which is don't super understand reflective her. of her entire life in that she was from rich people in california <laughs> and then people were real pissed about the great depression and she was totally fine and her yeah. father's company impacted the local people because he was a hirer of people and it was a whole thing yep right what you know it was, it was it. what she was. It was her life. She yeah. did witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's like, yeah, she there's like witch jars things. and nailed books to things. <laughs> what I like about it is I am a big fan of magical realism. Mm -hmm. And when you can, when there's two answers to everything, right, where there's like a logical, like, mm -hmm. this is the real world. Like, same with Haunting of Hill House, right? Like, okay, there's people who are a little unhinged. The architecture's off. It gets cold sometimes, whatever. Um, versus what Eleanor was experiencing. So if you want to believe, like, no, this place is actually haunted and that it, it controlled and manipulated and took over her, mm -hmm. then you can believe that, right? Or you can believe that it was not, that it was just like a haunted house and she was already kind of unhinged and was triggered because she was finally free. So I think with this, it was very similar where it was like, okay, you got this guy who comes in, he's the, the cousin and he's like changing their whole life. Like it looks like one, he's like trying to get some money. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but also seems like he's manipulative in so many other ways. But then he also seemed like you guys are, you just have no understanding. Like you're all kind of off, right? Like your uncle is a little weird now because he almost died. So he's not all there. He's poison. Yes. And then like you got the Maricat who's doing witchcraft and is a child and doesn't know what the world is. Burying silver coins all around town. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you need to like put the money in the bank and like pay bills father did not believe in banks <laughs> yeah right so like he does sound reasonable right but then when you're reading it from Mary Cat's point of view you're like 
Is he a demon though? <laughs> is, this, is there a de- is he a demon? Is what we need to know. Like you can suspend like belief for a little bit and be like, actually, he is a like some supernatural demonic force who has come in and is is an enemy and is ruining their lives. But I thought she liked demons because she was a witch. So she, no, that doesn't she, mean you like demons. Well, you like, like demons you control. That you control. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. There are still bad demons, if you wish. I just want to yeah. make sure. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not Watch an actual Sabrina. witch. We did a whole episode on this. <laughs> yes. Um, no, she, yeah. So it's, it's, the whole thing was like, she wasn't supposed to go to town. And because she went to town, she wasn't able to prepare the house and to protect it. And that's when he came in. Mm-hmm. So like that in itself is already like, okay, well, what's going on? If like, because if it was just any time, then it's like this guy came in. But the fact that like in, in reference to her, Kind of like, I guess, pr- procedures, what you say, it? I guess, her like... Her rituals. Rituals, that's what it is. Um, that it went against those, like the fact that she missed one, and mm-hmm. then he got in. Like, that already sets a tone of like, no, he's definitely a demon. <laughs> um, but then you're also like, but also, is he wrong? Because <laughs> he's definitely not. Like, they definitely have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, like, he just has this kind of like scumminess about him, but he's not saying wrong things. Mm-hmm. So it's just like... Definitely highlighting the fact that, like, you have a misunderstanding of what life is for people who aren't rich people. Yeah. And then also, like, you've isolated yourself so much. Yeah. One, because you have no desire to interact with anyone else, men, otherwise. You don't want a husband. Yeah. You're not You're not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the sister even says at one point, like, you should have a boyfriend. Yeah. And it's like, no. Well, if you think about it, the stemming, so the... the poisoning that happens mm-hmm. is because the older sister had been dating the guy and Maricat told the dad. And so then he was like, no, this isn't happening. So it was Maricat, like it was the response of that event that led to the poisoning. So it was like this idea yeah. of like, they're going to be free. They're going to go and live their life. They're going to find love in leave. their own way. They're going to leave. Right. And that's what like started it. So it's really like, them fighting for their freedom and their freedom to stay where they are and be protected. And yeah. it's a equal opportunity adventure in murder. Murder yeah. is for everyone. Yeah. Women can do it too. Yeah. And then you have that whole scene where it's like the controlling man, the controlling father. And yes. like him being just like father. And yeah. All other stuff. It was yes. just like, yeah, there's so much. It was it was a good time. I recommend the movie. It got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I've decided yeah. that means it's good. No, it really, I wasn't expecting that at all, especially because the book messed me. I was like, I can't do this. I, this is yeah. the wrong one. And so then I ended up uh, reading The Haunting of Hill House instead. But now I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go back because that seemed like it was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. I recommend watching it. We didn't spoil much, most, if any, of it, really, honestly. You still get more, like, it's, you get more out of it by watching, because there's, like, the mm-hmm. situational things. It's, it's kind of beautiful to watch. It's a little, it's haunting in its own way. Um, the characters are great. Um, I forget the actress's name, but they are, she, like... They're really good actors. And the one girl, I think she's, like, from Halloween Town or something. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, the other one? I don't know. But the the one is Thaisa Farmiga from uh, the show that shall not be named. So... Okay. She's from season one. Oh, Of gotcha. the murder house. So... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the older sister is Alexandria Daddario. Yeah, she's in, I think, Read It and Weep or... She's in Percy Jackson. 
She's in like kids' movies. Can you keep a secret? She's in When We First Met. She's in kids' movies. Yeah, she's in she's in a lot of kids' movies, um, but she did really great. I would say she's a she's a breakout star. She was very good at being creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that was a great time. You should watch. I I honestly recommend watching all of the things that mm-hmm. we watched, which I don't always do. I liked every single one of them. Um, Haunting on Hill House, the show. Be very weary if you've had any exposure to suicide in your life. Yeah. It's just, it's... There's no trigger warning and it really It's is just, yeah, it's upsetting. very, it's very triggering, very activate. It's just like, it puts yeah. you in a, I couldn't watch it for like, I feel like we didn't watch it for weeks after the one scene. So it's just like, be mindful of that going in. We have, we have given you a trigger warning. It's, yeah. it's, it's very intense. I think it's intense. episode five, I believe. Yeah. But I would just, go, Twitter also, I knew because someone gave me a, a warning on Twitter and I was like, just FYI to cat. But then I also was like, I was yeah, also I just should have closed upset. my eyes if I realized that's what was happening. Yeah. But then it was like, it was one of those things where I guess you get with your trypophobia where you can't look away. Yep. You're just, you can't, like, it's, this is you now. And I, like, I couldn't feel my, I couldn't breathe afterwards. Like, it was that bad. Yeah. I think we were going out, and I was just like. Yeah, we're stuck. I need to do with literally anything else. Yeah. So that this is not my last thought before bed. Like, this is awful. So, yeah, it's just, it's a very good show. Just go into it knowing that. Yeah, I would say that. And I would love to see more of Shirley Jackson's work. Mm -hmm. I was reading, like, her, uh, bibliography i guess is what it's called and i was just like reading all this like synopsis and i was like i need them all i need all these books now yeah. <laughs> i have a new favorite So if you like it, it's keep your cup of stars. Keep that cup. Yeah. Keep it. Have stars all up in your cup. Yeah. Don't let anyone take that cup. It's yours. Yeah. If you, yeah, if if you have something that is your cup of stars, you keep it and you put it in your pocket and you never let it fade away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And if you don't like it, it is, I have been so sad all morning about what you have allowed yourself to look like. Geraldine. Oh, Geraldine. Jerry. She's just mad that that's her name. (laughs) Yeah. Her life. How unfortunate for her to have a daughter who's her own person. Who is made from her. Like, what you, like. Regardless. I'm just saying. No one has to be alive. Yeah. You didn't have to have babies. Oh, I mean, yes, you did. You well, did. apparently oh, she's... Geraldine, you did. She didn't want to. Yeah. She was like the first year of their marriage, and yeah. she was like, ugh, I wanted to be married in a socialite a little longer. Yeah. And then this okay. happened. Yeah. And she's fat. She's kind of homely. She likes to write all day. She was super cute. I saw pictures. Yes, she was. She got a cute face. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't see any of the rest of her, but I saw that her face was super cute. She had a good smile. She's a very unique face, I would say, for sure. She's, um, like, unique pretty. She's not, like, that, like, cookie-cutter pretty. She's, like, she's really got character to her face. She definitely has character. I will say that. Pretty is pretty. I mean, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Everyone can be pretty in their own unique way. And she's yes. pretty. In my opinion. Yeah. She's a couple stars. So, Geraldine. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, so, for uh, Shirley. I'm like her new biggest fan. 
<laughs> like, I honestly, I was like, reading about her, I was like, I love this woman. Yeah. Let her write. Like, look at her, like, just like, I don't, it's so sad that she died as early. And just like that she lived in the time that she did. Yeah. I just feel bad for every woman that lived yeah, before now. Mm-hmm. It was just a bad what time. A time, yeah. Oof. And no. it's just that she still rebelled so much. Yeah. And, like, wrote the things that she did. And she's just very amazing. Yeah, I'm, like, super inspired by her writing and, like, her ability to take her personal, like, traumatic experiences and what she was struggling and make it into this, like, totally impactful of the rest of this genre. Like, you know, like, Mary Shelley was, like, one of the beginners of, like, science fiction and Mm -hmm. horror, right? But Shirley was really, like, pioneering the queenship here as far as, like, she really has impacted the rest. Like, she's the one who's telling the first, like, haunted house story. And it's, and she told it in a way that was, like, it is not about the house. It's about women. It is about us. It's about what we're doing. It's about people. And it's about, like, what we're restricted from and and, and how we're living our lives. And, like, yeah. you know, never giving up your cup of stars. And so I feel, I just feel motivated <laughs> to go out. Like, yeah, I'm write more. I'm never giving up my cup of stars. Stop, yeah, stop sweeping and write more. But also, it's important for the house to be clean. For you. For your mental health. For you, sometimes. though. Yeah. Not for anybody else but you. <laughs> yes. You keep your couple of stars. Yeah, you keep your couple of stars. And um, what about for the medias? I love it all, Gabe. Okay. Well, every second of this. Wow. I love her. I love all of her stuff that she does. Yeah. I'm excited to read more. I really am, like, going to start, like, scouring bookshelves for her stuff. I wish I could read. <laughs> I mean, I can, but, like, at the same time. Yes, I get you. You know what I mean. Yeah. Narcolepsy brain. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a really fun um, series. I think it's going to be interesting to see the different types of writing and the impacts that Mm -hmm. they've had. Um, And... Yeah, it's, it's. I think I'm really enjoying the people, and I like that we're diving into their their thoughts and their backgrounds. It's dope. I was allowed to say dope again, so it's dope. <laughs> well, yeah, happy spooky month, uh, listeners. Be sure to like and comment and give us some love on the iTunes. Help us keep our cup of stars. Yes, be our cup of stars. Our cup of five stars on iTunes. <laughs> that was good, Kat. I really, I really appreciate that. Oh, you, should, you should get five I'm stars. I'm never going to change. For that. Thank goodness. I know. <laughs> Except if it's if I need to, then I no, will you're for good. the better. But oh, it'll be guess. my choice. Yes. If I do bad thing, I do good thing now. Okay. <laughs> Classic Kat. Yep, me. Go on it. <laughs> So last week you were Stephen King. This week you were Shirley Jackson. We'll see who you become next week. And if I'm still me though, I'm just saying that like they were first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, yeah, I I can't. They can't be copying me. I just have to be somehow subconsciously influenced by them. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to connect to our next guest or the next one or not guest or our next topic. I love stories though because my grandpa liked them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. You My stay tuned, a reader. <laughs> yeah. I'm a reader and I'm super excited. Uh, this month is super fun. So Books st- versus movies. <laughs> yep. Uh, so stay tuned and hear about some really cool spooky writers. See yep. you next week.
Don't get married. They'll eat, eat your, your kids. kids. Gabe. Okay. Gabe forgot. <laughs> Bye. Bye.